0: You're listening to SaaS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products.
1: Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce.
0: And today's guest is Mikael Thunberg at Supermetrics.
1: I found a forum post by one Googler
2: who said that the first person build the kind of integration from GA into Excel, we'll get a free Google t-shirt.
0: Welcome back to the SAS Nordic podcast. And uh, today we have really good story to tell. Definitely. This is what I would call a self-made man.
1: He, he he ran with an idea and he made it into something massive.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of well-kept secrets in Finland. and I know there are loads of SAS companies but this one I think is one of the largest and the ones that is growing the most. Definitely, definitely. It's it's such an amazing journey and like you said it's it's a well-kept secret but I don't think it's a secret to the world. It was probably more a secret to us here in the Nordics. Absolutely. And if you want to know more about this company you should definitely attend the SAS event in the Nordics SASiest 2021 you're going to hear a lot more about that but now let's talk to Mikael at Supermetrics today we are very happy to have Mikael Thunberg at Supermetrics as a guest here at the SAS Nordic podcast so welcome Mikael
1: thank you great to be here welcome Mikael so exciting to be here and we know that you're just coming back from a great trip to Russia right yes I was in St Petersburg watching Finland and Russia play Unfortunately, we lost lost the game, but
2: it was a good trick.
1: Right, right. But you're still in a pretty good position, and I know here in just uh, a few hours, you guys are up for a very, very important game, so you can still go through.
2: Yep, everything is possible. Belgium will be tough, but let's see.
1: Everything is possible. Everything is possible, and that's a little bit what this what this episode is all about as well. Everything is possible, right? Yep. All
0: right, but uh, Mikkel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you?
1: Sure. So
2: I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, 41 years old. Uh, I have a background in uh, political science, actually. So I studied that in the university here in, in Helsinki. Um, after graduating, I went to work in a market research company doing surveys for various clients that, that we had. Uh, one of my clients there that I, I, I did a big survey for was, was uh, Sulake. I don't know if you're f- familiar, but it's, a, it's uh, the makers of Habbo Hotel, this virtual world. Okay. One of the most popular a decade ago. And uh, still around
0: and it seems like we're going back to hobo hotel if you see all of these uh, new uh, virtual workplace solutions right
2: exactly we've actually used it, it during covid i uh, had our company bit, but, <laughs> um, but I, I i did research for them and then they actually hired me to that company in, in 2007 and I, I moved there and there i gradually started moving from survey research into doing more kind of uh, Business analytics, marketing analytics, and, and, and things like that. So more into in, into uh, kind of heavy data analysis. You know, eventually came up with the idea that that uh, that became became supermetrics.
0: Okay, so are you a programmer?
2: No, no. Uh, as I said, I, uh, my background is in, in political science, and, and I, I didn't really have much much understanding of uh, either programming or, or or business when I, I started started my own, own business. So not, that, not the perfect uh, background for an IT company founder, for sure.
1: And, and when, when you had this, this idea, did you pitch it internally? I was like, hmm, I'm thinking this is something I can use here. Or did you already from day one know that, hmm, I'm going to build this somehow and run it as my own business?
2: No, I, I wasn't planning on, on establishing my own business a, a, at all. Um, but I had a problem there. So I was struggling with getting all the marketing data together. We had, had a lot of marketing data. Um, we were especially struggling with Google Analytics data because we had a lot of websites that were tracked with GA. So I, I had to every week copy, copy paste numbers from this, all of these GA, um, properties in, into Excel to be able to make the reports for the company. And, and that was super boring so i just decided i want to try to to uh you know remove that boring part of my own work and and, and you know do, do something more productive there at, at, at that company and that was um where this where this all started not not trying to, to make it out on my own
0: all right we're gonna go back history lane and talk about the development of your company but maybe you could tell us a Bit about Supermetrics today and what problem you solve for your customers.
2: Sure. So the problem we solve is is the fragmentation of marketing data. So you have so many different marketing tools uh, in, in a typical company. So in total, there are like over seven thousand different marketing tools, as someone has counted. So all of the different advertising networks you can use, you know, Facebook, Google, Twitter, and so on, and then all of you know the marketing or- automation tools. Uh, the CRMs, or everything that relates to, to to marketing, all your data is scattered between these different tools that you have in use in your company, and it's very difficult to get the, the big picture on how your marketing is is performing. Um, a lot of companies, how they solve this, is they 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 do have some kind of manual process, so they copy paste that data together, like I was doing at my, my previous employer, but that's not really a really a good way to to solve the problem. You spend you, you waste a lot of time. It's super boring. And, and also the, you know, amount of data you can copy paste is, is quite limited. So you, you don't really get the insights that you want. So what we do is we build a number of integrations into the most popular, widely used marketing uh, platforms. And we pull that data into a central processing engine. There we standardize all of that data. We do transformations on that data. We make it more usable for you. And then we allow you to use that data in any of the tools that you want to use for reporting and analyzing that data. Right, right, right. We don't have our own reporting layer, but we let you bring that data into Excel or Google Sheets or Google Data Studio, mm-hmm. or Tableau, Click Power BI, or into your own data warehouse.
1: So it sounds like a tool that a lot of uh, companies and marketing departments would, would benefit from, but who is your ideal customer? Who would you say this is the perfect match for, for for supermetrics?
2: Yeah, so basically it's it's any company that does a lot of o- online marketing, spends a lot of mar- money on online marketing, wants to see how that that money is 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 producing results. Um, especially if you're you're uh, advertising in across a lot of different uh, advertising net- networks, then then you typically have the need to see, bring that all together and, and compare between these. These different networks to see what what is uh, what is performing and what is not, so you can allocate your budget efficiently. So it can be a small company. We have a lot of small companies as clients, uh, even startups. Right. But then it, it ranges to huge, huge uh, global corporations, right? you know, Google and Walmart and and comp- companies like that
1: right and speaking about the uh, customers and the amount of customers can you share with with us and our audience a little bit on the numbers like how big is your arr something about your your growth rates the amount of customers you have just so we get an idea
2: yep so in uh, annual recurring revenue we are at uh, 36 million uh, euros right now um and and we are growing fast so so around, uh between 70 percent year on year growth. Wow! Uh, which I think at this scale is is is, is rather good number. Um, we have around seventeen thousand uh, clients who are paying us. Um, but of note is that half of these seventeen thousand are marketing agencies. Right. So actually, they, they they use our tool to to re- do reporting to their clients mm-hmm. on how how they, the the money that the clients are are spending on the marketing agencies. So if you count all of these, these end clients who are users of our reporting, then, then we get to hundreds of thousands of companies benefiting of, from our, our product.
1: Wow, that's, that's amazing. And in, in, in how many markets are you present? Then it sounds like you're, you're global, you're everywhere. You have customers in all, all 200 countries almost.
2: <laughs> that's, that's pretty much, much the case. So, so we have a very wide, wide client base. And a, a, as we sell on a self-serve model, then we have had no limits on basically where, where you can become client from, yeah. and, and and basically we do have all countries uh, you know maybe the exception being being China where where they don't really use the same same uh, tools that we have as destinations for the data the Google
1: right 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 and I'm always curious when I when I hear companies that uh, you know you obviously have a very impressive ARR and the growth rate is is really great. Um, like, how big is your organization? How, how many colleagues do you have at Supermetrics today to support this?
2: Right now, we have around 160 people.
1: Okay. And I know everything is relative, but in my mind, it sounds like a pretty lean organization to support that big operation.
2: Yeah, we've always been very lean. Actually, I operated the company alone for the first five years, so without even an office or anything, so we keep <laughs> the costs really, really down, <laughs> and, and I Starting from 2015, then I, I started hiring. But of course, the, the hiring phase have, has not been as fast
1: as the revenue, revenue growth. We're going to come to that in just a moment. That's the main theme of, of the episode here today.
0: And another thing that I'm curious about, uh, how much funds have you raised so far?
1: Well,
2: I can start off by saying that we haven't used one euro of investor money to, to build the company. So so we have raised, uh, we have had two rounds. Uh, we have, you know, a Finnish VC, Open Ocean invested, and, and last year we, we took in Island Europe and an IVP from, from Silicon Valley. Um, a large part of that, I would say most of that part, was actually secondary. So they were buying shares rather than putting money into the company. Uh, some money we we have taken into company uh, as well, but but that is all all in the bank still. Because we we have always been very profitable, so we have a sizable reserve of our own. So we haven't needed to really use that investor uh, cash so far.
0: I guess it's a good position to be in when you don't really need the the money that you uh, that you raise, right?
2: That's a pretty sweet negotiating position.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But uh, how much of the company do you own?
2: I can say, say I still have a majority of the company.
0: Okay. That's fantastic. And uh, I mean, as, as we have talked about, you really started this business yourself and uh, without any programming experience or you had a problem that you had yourself and saw that this could be a solution. So tell us the story. How did it start? Um, you having this problem? D- did you quit your work to start with or? Was this something you started on the side? Uh, initially, I didn't
2: quit one work. So I had this problem with the Google Analytics data. I went online looking for a solution. I, I didn't find a solution, solution uh, to the problem, but instead I found a forum post and uh, some, some online forum by, by one Googler uh, who said that the first person to build the kind of integration from GA into Excel, exactly what I was looking for, we'll get a free Google t-shirt. <laughs> so uh, this is actually a good opportunity. You saw a challenge there. Yeah, yeah. a challenge. And I, I'm not a programmer, but I could do some uh, you know, small scale Excel scripting. And, and that's what I, what I did. I, I built a small script to get that data, get get the data from that new API in, into Excel. And that worked really well for, for the company and the problem I had at that
1: company. Did you win the t-shirt? Um, yeah,
2: I shared that with Google and, and I did win the t-shirt. But then... More important was that that guy actually then then blogged about the the solution. So they they released an article in the Google Analytics blog that is very widely read in the digital marketing and web analytics communities uh, about the solution. And then a lot of people started contacting me and and asking if I could do something a little bit more sophisticated than this small script that I had created. So um, then I I thought about it a little bit and decided I'll, I'll try it out even though I like I said, I definitely didn't have the perfect uh, skills skill set to to get started, but but gradually I, I learned both the tech side and the business side.
0: All right. Also, cool to to find that people have the need or the same problem somewhere on the internet to identify that need but I'm very curious as well is that t-shirt at the office is it on display or
2: no no unfortunately I may have thrown it it away so (laughs) (laughs) I I hope I haven't but but it it may be in one place in my home but I dare not uh, check that because if i have actually thrown it away then I'm, I'm really disappointed in myself
1: all right yeah so at at what point did you decide after winning this t-shirt i suppose that you know what i'm going to now leave my job this is where i'm going all in did you already have paying customers or you just felt like i gotta give this a go
2: no i just started getting emails from you know the us uh, many many other countries as well and asking to do this and that so then i i i just started thinking this probably is a pretty good opportunity to to try try to make it into a business Um, so then after thinking about that for some months, then, then I decided I'll, I'll, I'll
0: try it. So did you do everything yourself from marketing and sales and invoicing? Or how did you manage this uh, as a one-person show?
2: Yeah, initially, yes, actually. I, I even did my own accounting, so I didn't even <laughs> want to pay for accounting. Hinset, <laughs> 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 well, that in, that's a stupid uh, waste of time, but, but that's what I, I did initially. So, um, yeah. But I didn't really do much, much marketing. So I think just the product market fit was so obvious. There was such a huge problem. So many people were having having the same problem. Um, No one had really solved it in a good way. I solved it in a good way because I exactly knew the problem very well because myself uh, had that problem. So I, I, I made a Solution, it, nothing too fancy, but it still solved the problem in, in, a, in, a, in a way that satisfied, satisfied that need. So that, that start, just started creating this viral effect immediately. So I didn't really need to do much marketing. And of course, Google uh, doing a few blog posts uh, around the solution over the years, then they definitely helped us a lot.
1: Right. So how long time did it take you for you to start winning paying customers? Mm, pretty much straight away.
0: Pretty much straight away. Yeah. And during the first year, how much revenue did you make the first year?
2: Some tens of thousands. Pretty much the same I had earned as salary.
0: And we are talking euros or...
1: Yeah. That's a a pretty nice position to be in. We hear hear these, uh, I don't know if they're like uh, amazing or sometimes slash horror stories where people bootstrap their business and they go without salary for five years. So it sounds like you were fortunate and that was not your situation.
2: No, no, it, it wasn't. So... I just had the client demand, so it immediately, so right, I could start generating revenue pretty much straight away. Advantage was maybe that I was not too perfectionist perfectionist with the with the product in, initially, so I was I was willing to put an MVP out. Even that was already solving a lot of problems for people, so people started paying for that. It was by no means a perfect perfect product, but but it worked. Uh, and, and, People were willing to pay for it.
0: Yeah, but five years is a long time. I mean, you being a one-man show for five years. So what was your thoughts during this period?
2: Yeah, initially, of, of course, I was super happy to just have the freedom and, and you know, seeing you can make a living for yourself is so rewarding. So that was that was great in the beginning of course then as years go go by and you, you work alone in your bedroom then it's not you know the ideal setting for anyone I think uh, at least for most people um, so after some years I was actually thinking about maybe just selling the thing and quitting but then around uh, mid decade 201415 then then the trajectory of, of growth really ac- started accelerating so I could start uh hiring people and of course then working with a small team and, and a growing team that that became really fun
1: and, and what were some of the first hires
2: so so the first hire was a developer and actually i uh, initially I, I had decided I, I will not hire anyone else than, than developers so i'm only hiring people who actually make make a, make, make the product and that's that's all i need and, and the product will sell itself like it, like it had so i don't really need any anything else um but then I was I was uh, having a booth at Slush, which is this big startup conference here in in Finland, and then one, one, one marketing person came to the came to the booth and and really sold himself to me, and and then I hired one marketing person as well, and, and then he started going the business side of the organization gradually as well.
1: Right, I, I have a question related to obviously your growth rate. Right? You had you had customers from the very get go, almost paying customers, and you had, you had a pretty nice trajectory in the very beginning as well here, you must have received some attention from VC funds and and other type of investors. But you decided to run this with your own funds and with the cash flow supported from the business. Did you at one point never feel like, if I just take in 5 million, 10 million, or whatever that magical number is, I can make this bigger. Like, what made you decide? No, no, I'm going to continue run with it for a little bit longer on my own.
2: Yeah, actually, in the beginning, I didn't really even consider that that option. Like I said, I don't have a business background really, so I, I didn't know how startups usually operate. That they they you know usually go looking for funding, and, and that's actually one of their priority items to to do in the early times. Uh, so that's definitely not what, what I was thinking. I I, I was thinking that I, okay, I need to make a profit to to. Uh, sustain the business and, and not even considering any other other options there. And, you know, if I had gone to investors, I, I'm quite sure that, you know, no one would have believed in, in what I, I did. You know, making this small Excel add-on with, with no background, no, no skills in, in anything really, um, I think it would have been pretty tough, tough to get any, any investor convinced. Of course, then, then later on, like maybe, you know, around... When, 2015, 16, and so on. Then, then there was a good uh, tra- trajectory already, and then it started generating investor uh, interest uh, as well. And, and then eventually, I decided 2017 to take on board Open Ocean Capital. Um, but of course, then then the business was already sizable and then the negotiating position was was a bit better than if i had started that discussion uh, a few years earlier
1: right which which makes a lot of sense so for me always when i we meet businesses that have bootstrapped one of the the things that i'm really curious about because it focuses the entire organization about revenue and you can't grow at any cost can can you talk a little bit about this from your perspective how was this for you guys
2: i think the revenue was growing it's always been growing so so we haven't really been, um, you know, needing to uh, be so concerned about the cost. So of course, like early years, I was was very concerned, like I did, did the accounting myself and stuff. But then, then when we started building the team, it was no, no, never really concerned that we we can't grow the team because we we need to grow the revenue faster. Because the simply we couldn't hire in anywhere near the fa- near the pace that the, re- the re- revenue was growing. So the hiring pace has always been like too slow for us, and, and we just couldn't grow the expenses as as fast as as the revenue,
1: mm-hmm. which which makes a lot of sense. And and then you mentioned in two thousand seventeen you did take in an external VC fund here, and but you also said in the beginning here that you have not spent a single VC euro or dollar to to fuel the growth. So. Uh, why did you take them in what was the reason and what was that magical tipping point
2: yes so i, I just felt that we have a great opportunity for for the company so the, it was growing fast the market seemed you know limitless um everything just seemed to have so much potential but then also like like i said we, we had a small team uh, inexperienced team recruitment was difficult getting um, anyone you know very senior to join that kind of a very small team that had no really name. We didn't have any any media presence or anything in in Finland. No no one knew about us. So we just didn't really have, I think, the the talent um, or the seniority in the the company to to really take advantage of all the opportunity that we had. So I felt that we we want some some more experienced, more networked uh, backers for the company to, to bring credibility for us and and help us do this 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 big hires into the company and also give us advice on how exactly we should be uh, thinking about all the various opportunities we have
1: i'm so happy you say that because in simple terms the vc funds are not just about the money they bring to the table but it's also about the knowledge experience potentially the ability to to open up doors so really happy you say that
0: so when you look back uh, on your journey um, would you do it all over again the same uh, the same way uh, is there things that you would do and, and other things that you would have done differently
2: well you know i don't know if i really had really had the option back then but of course if i you know look back maybe i should have been more aggressive in the early years uh, so just have more confidence that this this will be a big thing maybe go looking for the investors earlier on, maybe start hiring people earlier on. Why did I wait for five years? I could have hired earlier. Um, I just didn't have the confidence that this will actually become anything. Mm-hmm. But if I had started that a few years earlier, then I think we would be even more ahead of the competition than we are now.
0: Okay. But uh, if people here, I mean, there is a lot of startups also, I know, listening to this show, and maybe they, they are in a similar situation, just starting up with their own money, bootstrapping. Do you have any advice for them, things that you did, that you think that think about this?
2: Yeah, I think what worked for, for me was, uh, you know, exactly like focusing on, on, on making a great, great product, uh, not focusing, uh, you know, putting your time in and developing your, your elevator speeches and, and going to pitching competitions and all of that n- nonsense that many, many. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so more product, less PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah,
2: not one pri- priority for themselves. I think that's just uh, silly, really. So p- put everything into, into making a great product. You don't necessarily need the investment for that, you know, software products like I like, like, uh, you know, you, you can develop, even if you are not a programmer, like I wasn't, it, it's still possible to, you know, get something done. Maybe you end up with a lot of bad code, but then when you're at some scale, you can hire some professionals to, to fix it all up.
0: So have you cleaned the code up now or is it still your your first code rows still there somewhere?
2: There is still uh, some of that old code, but we are gradually kind of moving it to, to more modern systems. But, but the very core is still... Uh, largely
0: the the old code.
1: SAS Nordic is growing and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com. We can't wait to have you on board.
0: So I think this is a good segue over to the other part of the episode here, talking about the product and product-led growth. Uh, so what has that looked like uh, for you? What in the product has driven the, the growth uh, of Supermetrics?
2: Yeah, I think the key there is, is it kind of the easy adaptability. So you, you can take it into use very, very easily. So if you want to try our Google Sheets products, for instance, you just in Google Sheets, go to this add-ons menu, get add-ons, there you can find super metrics. And you can get started getting your marketing data into a Google Sheets in, in just a couple of minutes. So you can immediately see see the value of the product. No need to do any complicated configuration or anything like that. Uh, it's, it's very easy to get started.
0: So, was it self-explanatory, or, or did you do a lot of things to onboard the users in the product?
2: Uh, I think it's, it's quite self-explanatory. Uh, of course, that depends on, on the profile. So, I'm sure that there are, you know, lots of people who come to a Product and, and, and don't understand it and don't convert. But you know, enough of the people get it immediately that, that this is the this is exactly what what I want. And that's that's um, you know been enough for for us. Maybe, maybe the other part is also also easy easy purchasing of the of the product. So you can then go on our website and you can buy it on your credit card. And, and, and you know no need to do anything more more complicated there. No need to do it negotiations or a lot of installation or configuration or anything like that. So very easy to get started and very easy to buy.
0: So, did you offer a free trial, or do you do that of your solution?
2: Yes, we do have a free trial of all all of our products.
0: Okay, and is it time limited, or how how do you work with the the trial model?
2: Yeah, it's for for two weeks. Okay, yeah, but full features pretty much, pretty much full features.
0: And what happens after the two weeks?
2: Then you either convert. In, in some products, you can continue for free with a very very limited uh, offering, but. but Either you like the product and convert, and, or then you don't.
1: Right. And being a sales guy myself, at at what point in this journey today do you interact with the customer? So they sign up, they go through the trials, they set this up, but at what point do you interact with the customer?
2: So on the self-serve model, which has been the basis of our, our growth, uh, in only in case they, they have a problem and they contact our, our support team, that would be the only interaction. Of course, um, more recently, starting in 2018, we have also built a sales assistant model on top of the self-serve model. So we have started building a sale- sales team. And, and then if we see potential based on your usage during the trial, maybe your company attributes, we can contact you through the, the sales team and, and, and you know, get a conversation going on.
1: Right. Or maybe
2: later on when you're already a client, you co- you're self-converted, but then we see that, okay, there's more, maybe potential to, to do something more together. Uh, then we can ask them, hello can
1: contact you. Exactly. I was just about to ask that. I'm curious about, you know, once I've converted, I've gone through the trial and I've gone into a, a paying customer. What is it that drives your customers to expand and sign up for more with you guys?
2: Mm. So there are various ways. Of course, it, it can be seeds uh, in the product. But, or it can be different, different products. I think what's quite unique in our, our offering is that we offer kind of uh, products for wherever you are in, in your data journey. So if you're working in spreadsheets, uh, then that's totally fine. You can keep working in, in spreadsheets. We make it easy for you to get the data into that spreadsheet. Um, then if you want to use a, use a BI tool like uh, Google Data Studio or Tableau or something like that, you can continue working on that, and we we let you bring the data directly into into that product as well. And, and then, if you if you are typically a little bit bigger company, you want to have a data warehouse, you very collect all of your data, your marketing data plus some other data. Then we can also help you get get that that down, so you can set up your marketing data warehouse in, in Google BigQuery or Snowflake or whatever data warehouse warehouse you use very easily with, with us. So that would be also an expansion on adding these products, maybe you start with spreadsheets, then you need to move on move, um, to different uh, destinations.
0: So is your price model depending on number of destinations and integrations and so on uh, as well? Yes,
2: depending on those and on, on the number of users as well.
0: Okay.
1: Michael, I also wanted to ask you, uh, clearly the PLG strategy has worked so well for you guys, and it works really well for many other businesses as well. One thing I'm always curious about, when you have 17,000 customers, how do you support them? What happens after they turn into paying customers? And let's say they don't want to buy anything else from you. They're just in there ticking. How do you support that? That's a lot of people that potentially have a request for something.
2: Yeah, so we do have a support team that, that handles, handles those. Of, of course, we, we try to you know get as many customers as possible to post on a public forum. Uh, so they can see each other's answers. So we don't need to answer each client separately um, and, and that, that they can help each other out on that at, that form as well to, to, to make it efficient but to be honest i i, I don't i haven't seen the support be, being really a, a problem for us so so we calculated the cost cost per client of our support and annually it's, it's uh, you know a couple of dozen uh, euros or something like that so it's it's not a huge uh, expense for us in the end all
1: right so build a good product have an efficient onboarding process, self-service process, and then make sure that the community addresses the questions. And then your support
0: will be fairly limited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good equation. So is there anything in your approach that you have had uh, with focusing on the product and the product-led growth uh, that you feel was the right decision, or is it something that you would have changed now when looking in the back mirror
2: Yes, I, I think one thing is that maybe I should have be start, started building the sales operation a b- bit earlier. So we were seeing this this very big companies using the product for for many years, like you know Warner Bros. and and Disney and, uh, and Google and all of these big companies. They were using the product and they were were paying us <laughs> not that much really, um, as, as they were self converting and no one was really you know. Um, seeing that that we, we get a fair share of the value that we provide right so maybe i, I should have started that that sales operation seeing that we have these big companies maybe maybe that should have been obvious to, to start a, a little bit earlier
1: and that's all in place now and it, it's, it sounds like you guys are kicking in the gears so what is really in the future for you guys? What is next for Supermetrics?
2: Yeah, I think we are in a, in a really in interesting position being the leading leading player in this marketing uh, data integration uh, market. And, and of course, that market is, is growing fast. So, you know, online marketing a, in general is, is growing. Um, the number of different uh, platforms you, you tend to use that is growing all the time. If you follow this MarTech 500, um, you know, they add, and new tools that all the time. Um, so the data fragmentation problem is, is just becoming uh, bigger and bigger and we are the best company globally to solve that problem. And, and in addition to that we are also moving into e-commerce data where they have you know companies have similar problems of, of getting be, being able to analyze their e-commerce data and of course e-commerce growing growing fast as well provides another great opportunity for us and we are seeing really good initial traction in, in that area as well. So I see a lot of, lot of uh, interesting years for us.
0: That's really cool. And what are you looking for right now?
2: Um, well, especially I would say developers to join the team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you, if you have any React or PHP devs, don't hesitate to contact me.
0: Okay, cool. Sounds like a great opportunity. I could add to
2: that. We are also looking for a chief commercial officer Whoa. Um, and, a, and a VP of
0: people. Great, great shout outs. And um, also, um, we usually ask who would you like to see on the show? I think you have
2: uh, not many things on the show so far. Uh, Was I even even the first? I don't know.
0: You are the second, actually. We had Nora at the Vidually, and we have some lined up, but we are very curious about. who is on your mind?
2: Yeah, so so one, one company we kind of look up to here in, in Finland is, is Smartly.io, also in the in the marketing marketing technology space a little bit further than than we are. So, so someone from there, maybe uh, Christo or, or Tuomo Riecki, who one the founders, would be a good choice.
0: Absolutely. We're going to get them.
1: There you go. Hey, Michael, it was great having you on the show. Uh, thanks a lot. I know you're a busy guy. And also, I know you have to go back and, and support Finland now. So really appreciate you taking the time for this.
2: Thanks. It was was great being here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, sure. See ya.
1: See you. Take care now. Bye-bye.
0: So, Daniel, what's your takeaways from this uh, interview? Uh,
1: there's a few ones, but uh, I'm super impressed by how he ran with an idea, built something, and then it just grew into this huge 36 million euro business. Uh, But I think if I would have to summarize it into one takeaway, it's about move fast and how him as a non-developer built an MVP, to use his own words, It, it didn't fix all the problems, but it was good enough get it off the ground to land some customers. So if you have an idea, don't, over, don't over-engineer it, get it out to the market and try your wings. That's that's the biggest takeaway for me.
0: What about you, Thomas? What are you walking away from? Well, you just took uh, mine, <laughs> my takeaway. <laughs> so I have to think about something else. This is what they say, genius think alike. Well, one thing here is is to find and identify the problem. I mean, in, in this case, uh, Mikkel found something that he needed himself, but he also found people on the internet asking for uh, this kind of solution and and i mean now he could piggyback on google a bit winning that t-shirt but also being published in a few blog posts and that really helped him in the beginning to take this off and get attention from all around the world so i think if you can find some good pains out there and and you can also get some attention in the community then go for it Right, it, it's about finding that tipping point that we're all looking for. No, I, I thought it was a, a really enlightening
1: episode and an amazing journey. How he did this for the first five years and then was well positioned to negotiate with the VCs when when the time was right. I think that's also one of the, the potential lessons learned here: put yourselves in a well position before you.
0: You get out there to to fund your business absolutely and if you want to learn more lessons i suggest that you will attend css 2021 the SESES event in the nordics so uh, you will hear a lot about that going forward you can follow us on linkedin we're going to post a lot of information around that if you work at the nordic sas company you should also join the sas nordic slack community and you can sign up at SaaSNordic.com. and we will continue with the podcast episodes all summer we don't take any rest here so join us on this journey building the nordic sas community and see you around guys see you around